Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Anime House, and today we are going to be talking about not anime, uh, even though we will probably be talking about a little bit about anime at the end of this episode, but uh, today we'll be talking about The Bear, uh, a show recently, the season two recently came out on Hulu, a fantastic show, it was amazing. I binged all of it a few months ago, and then I told Francisco to watch it recently, and he recently just finished it. It's a really good show, really captivating, and has a lot of moving parts. Um, I'm sure that Fresco will have more to say on it, but yeah. I like the setting, and I'm biased on the setting because... um, What's the show about? So the show uh, centers around a restaurant, so the... The first season is called is about the beef, and then it grows into this culinary establishment called the Bear, which its goal is to basically get a Michelin star. Uh, very very good show. I think the premise is just about like the struggles and the difficulties of owning and operating a restaurant or a food business in the United States, and they do such an accurate and fantastic, honestly, representation of what it's like as someone who has family members that have a restaurant it's it was really really cool to see see it uh see it portrayed in that way and to see how it was like done and how accurate it was honestly and how like intense it was it was just like wow like they it was it was really good so i really liked it but the the show the basic show is just about cooking and the restaurant industry more than that and there also is um elements about like the main character dealing with uh extreme anxiety a lot of stress a lot of stress but like extreme anxiety like clinically like diagnosed anxiety and he very clearly also has depression and like the way that it's portrayed in the show i think is a really 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 like captivating and honestly very real portrayal of what it's like and i applaud the writers and the actors for just portraying that so well. So, fantastic show. Fantastic show. I had an incorrect reading on him during the first couple of episodes in season one. You had an incorrect reading on him? Yeah, I really thought he was like a... But one, he's definitely not from... What's the thing? His... his Was his family well off? Was he... They were like an average middle class family. It's not that they were well off. I think they were the very like stereotypical like Italian family that we kind of follow. I think he himself kind of had a chip on his shoulder to prove that he could make it without relying on his family or brother, whatever it was. You he know? couldn't rely on his brother technically for him. There's a lot of okay. So, all right. The reason why I like the show, where I was like super into it was because uh, the food is Italian beef. So that's kind of a very Chicago thing. So it's based in Chicago, uh, what the third largest city in the U.S. And I live super close to Chicago. Um, and it's, 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 it was like I was sitting there. I was like watching this beef shop. And I didn't know what beef was for like about 15 years of my life, living so close to Chicago, like about 15-minute drive, until I started working at an Italian beef restaurant, family-owned and everything from people... I think the owners were Greek, not Italian, so it wasn't anything like that. But you know, they like 
own this beef shop. It's been there for like 50 years, apparently. So I saw that. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like right up my alley. Like, I, I can see Chicago. I know, ex and you know, I live here. I've like gone through the city. And it does a really good job of like showing how ugly. I think it does a better job of showing how pretty the city is. It made mm -hmm. me feel proud of being, you know, near Chicago. It also made me realize I don't really do anything in the city. Um, this commute thing that they show in every now and then. Because they glorify the, the metro, which apparently, unfortunately, is like one of the better transportation networks within the U.S. And since I grew up on it, I was like really like, oh, this is, wow, this this must be the standard everywhere. And I was only hoping it was going to go up. And sadly, no, it's, um, this is kind of the best that we have in the U.S. But they did glorify that every now and then with the shots. Very pretty, late night. Um, It's cold. They show winter season a lot. Um, That was really cool. So there was a lot of like small things on Chicago that I didn't notice. And I'm like, dang, they really they did a fantastic job at like representing the city. Super biased on that, super biased on the actual restaurant. And then I'm also super biased on this weird shonen, shonen jump protagonist that is Carmen, in a way. Do you, do you kind of get that vibe that, from him? No, but elaborate. I want to hear your thoughts. So, I, he is one of the greatest shifts in the entire fucking planet, without a doubt, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like slowly made clear throughout this. I mean, at first, after um, he comes back home, you're aware that slowly but surely, like this is a guy who went to culinary school. He, you know, got lost in the sauce, forgot about his family. Less, next thing you know, his brother passed away, right? And then he inherits the, the family beef joint, the family restaurant. He wants to fix it. He doesn't have to fix it. He's He was running the best fucking restaurant in Europe, I forget the actual location, but it, he was running it. He maintained the the three star like Michelin, the three Michelin stars, and was, and then he just he's kind of like a down to earth still person in the way that he speaks, the way that he like uses like high levels of profanity. But the the amount of skill that he just has at his disposal because of all these years that he just kept developing it, and he developed it because his family refused to have him help, so he left to prove them that he could. And I mean, like, one of the first episodes, it starts with, like, I don't even know if you want to call this guy a mentor, but just another person in the food industry who's just keeps, like, saying all these not just, like, awful, awful things at his ear, like, right next to his ear. And you can tell, like, this guy is the demon <laughs> that yeah. lives inside of his head. And he's mm -hmm. like, why are, you, why, why are you so slow? And then a bunch of other, like, things that aren't even related to just food and just directly attacks um, Carmen. But mm -hmm. later you're thinking, okay, he probably went home. Part of you is thinking, oh, he went home because he couldn't handle it. But no, it turns out he could handle it. I mean, he he himself feels like he always messed up, and you know that's true. But he's still one of the top of the entire like food industry in this universe. Mm -hmm. And that that the, the reason why I say he feels like a shonen protagonist is because like he has a level of like humility going with it, but he also has like the top skill that was brought about like from like his dark back backstory. <laughs> and yeah. not only that, but he has like these. In interest, he's like an end game kind of a protagonist uh, after he goes through throughout the whole series, right? And you notice that throughout the series, he he has interesting connections to the entire food industry. He sends people like the baker Marcus, who's like pretty much new, doesn't have necessarily like he worked at before this. He was like a worked at McDonald's and stuff like that, but he's not someone who has like traditional education, right? He just he was working at the beef joint from a family restaurant. It wasn't. High class, but at the end of the series, at the end of the season, after he like gets, a, you know, continues working with Carmen and the rest of everyone from the beef, right? He Carmen 
thanks to Sydney, right? The um the sous chef that Carmen hires, um, noticed Marcus is love for baking. Mm-hmm. Um and they send them off. And and it's like such a cool such a cool thing for Marcus to be able to experience just because he knows like this one guy Carmen yeah. and like the connections that Carmen can give him. Um, he's what living in a boat, right? Like, so he gets to sleep on a boat. He's there for like a month learning from like one of the greatest bakers. The baker himself was one of the like, oh, there's a lot to say about that, but like, it's it's so cool that like there's a lot of connections that Carmen has and he like pulls in favors. And then you realize just how much weight this guy has within the industry. But most of the time, you're just seeing him be humbled by like the shit show that is his family's restaurant. Yeah. And I think it's, um, the way that they chose to portray that and the way they chose to like show like he is worth a damn if that makes sense he like he he just like he knows what he's doing but more than that he's like he's a special dude and within the industry he has a lot of like leverage he has a lot of connections and he said it again and again within the show itself right he's worked with in some of the best restaurants he worked at the best restaurant in the world and he had those kind of connections but he chooses actively every day to come and work in an environment that doesn't really favor him in that in that sense. And I think it's just fascinating, at least um, from my perspective, just to see how like how not only how he's treated, but also just like how he treats his employees, how he treats with like everyone with the utmost respect. But he's like, yeah, like everything has to be earned and not like, not like given to some degree. And I think it's a very Chicago mentality, which I really like, and something I really appreciate. But I think him as a character, a main character and protagonist, just does such a good job in portraying just how difficult it is to make it in the industry, no matter how many connections you have. If that makes sense. Like, look at the amount of connections he had. He had the ability and the option. To literally work anywhere in the world if he wanted to, yet he couldn't. Um, he couldn't. Dude's haunted. Couldn't. And I, I really do want to emphasize that because I think it's a very like important thing to highlight. Like, no matter who you are and like what you've done, the restaurant industry is brutal, man. It is not easy. It is. It'll eat you up and spit you out without a second thought. And uh, I think. The way that the way that it's portrayed in the show is just so good, and it's so accurate, honestly, um, to say the least. I gotta admit, I do like season one a lot more because of the high emphasis on grief as the thematic element. Uh, because the brother passed away, so they're all dealing with that, and then they're also Carmen comes back because he. I mean, there's always gonna be a level of, like I caused it, right? I mean, I wasn't ever, I wasn't ever there. I left. Be- one, I mean, there's so much backstory that I don't necessarily want to give away, but like, there's a that that in one of the greatest episodes that people like absolutely love, right? It's fishes, which mm-hmm. is season two, and it's pretty much just a flashback story. On and then you actually you get to see the the awful, terrible <laughs> this dysfunctional family that he grew up with, and like how stressful that situation was, and how he flew away from it. He left it, people. There was even like a family member that was saying, hey, you need to get away. Um, But this flashback was actually when he was already one of the greatest chefs. But you can already see that this was probably the constant for him growing up. This was Mm -hmm. like 
how it was. It was always stressful, which is cool that that stress, right, is still reflected within like where he decided to work. He decided to work in the food industry and the food industry is one of the most stressful places you can ever go. Um, there's also this like trauma bonding that happens in there, just like it would happen again, like the army, for example, I, I would imagine that, that if you would do a study on that, it would be very super similar situations or findings when it comes to like that aspect of that familial. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also feel that it was interesting that he still went for something super stressful. Um, he ran away, but then he's still trying to like, I, I, in a way he's trying to reclaim his childhood by succeeding in this, in the food industry. It's one. Of, it's considered one of the best episodes. I actually didn't really like. So I mean, the, the episode's long. I, I really like Forks. That was actually my one of my favorite episodes. I think that was the Richie episode. Oh my god, that was so good. Yeah, it was so good. When I was going into that episode, I didn't actually know what to expect. Also, before we continue, I mean, we've been so we're now we're going to start getting into the nitty gritty of it and talking about specific episodes here. So as just as an FYI, as we do in every episode. Make sure you go ahead and watch that show. If you haven't watched the show yet, like, but you don't mind the spoilers, or you watch the show and just want to hear our thoughts, please stay. We'd love to have you. But yes, spoilers will be um, said from here on out. So just keep a just keep an open mind about that. Just uh, for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd recommend watching it if you haven't uh, before we kind of continue. But yeah, Forks was amazing. I Forks. like seeing Richie's kind of character arc and progression in that sense was genuinely incredible to me. Yeah, they come um, to Jesus moment. Beautiful. Yeah, and like, just like, this is what I can do, and this is who I can be, was a really special thing to watch. Um, it's nice to see something uplifting after the show pretty much trains you to expect everything going to shit. Exactly. Like, you expect the worst with him, but you're pleasantly surprised when in that episode you see him be someone who, like, like, is very like meticulous and like articulate and like he uses his charm and his like personality to woe customers and like the way he talks and like his actions like that those all just speak a lot to i think his character and i think it's a really really special thing so again like i just like i was enamored uh, to say the least, by that episode. Yeah, that might be one of my favorite episodes next to Honeydew, which is the Marcus episode. And they both share... Oh, Marcus's story was so good. The whole dichotomy with his mom and, like, what he's doing, the sacrifices he makes. Like, again, like I cannot emphasize this enough. And this is why the show really, like, like spoke to me and stuck out to me as one of those shows that, like, I was like, oh my god, I need to talk about this show. Because it's of the way that it just portrays that. Yeah, it's just like... It's a really special thing. It's a really special thing. Um, and those two episodes are both positive. They both show a really, like, instead of the stress that happens with family, it shows, like, the kindness that not, not just family, but, like, humanity has. Because outside of the, just, you know, because I keep using the similarities between actual nuclear family and then the family in the kitchen, but there's also connections that you make outside of those and yeah. the connections that you make from other people that bring you to these other places because they're both situations where Marcus reached out to someone and yeah. asked for a favor. And yeah. he, I mean, he did that because he trusted them that they could, that, that they had it in him, right. That Marcus exactly. was able to become like this phenomenal cook. Thanks to um, chef Luca. And that, um, what's the other guy, Richie was able to do that. He, he trusted Richie would be able to come out of this 
believing in himself. Like, I mean, there was yeah. a whole... what when, And they both... Okay, this goes back to that whole Shonen protagonist. And they both... Both of these episodes, Chef Luca, remember, when he was going through his story and talking about, like, yeah, he thought he was, like, the shit. Like, he thought he was, like, the greatest fucking chef to ever, like, walk. And, you know, how he felt that whenever someone came in, um, it was a challenge that he wanted to take up until there was, like, one person that he just couldn't... He just couldn't beat. But yeah. he, like, you know, he kept trying to keep up with the pace and stuff like that. And eventually, you know, he got good. Yeah. Just going along. He might not be better than the person, but he got really good. That in itself is, like, in that that just sounds like a Shonen protagonist, like, um, kind of like a sports cooking series, right? And then the other one with the older lady, um, she probably, she owns the best restaurant in America. No, no. The best restaurant in the entire planet, was it? Yeah. When yeah, it was at the time it was considered the best restaurant on the planet. We learned later on though that the restaurant did close down, and one of the Michelin stars was removed or something. It was like crazy. Yeah. Wait, was it? I thought that was like her previous one that she couldn't, but then the one that she, that oh wait, something like that. Oh, it was it was it was the previous one that the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was something like that. But point is that they're these are important people, and um, you. You meet them because you're friends with someone else, and it's like, and they're both very endearing, kind episodes. Yeah. I mean, while I was watching the Marcus episode, and I was thinking, Lucas is gonna fucking freak out, and he's gonna like shit on this guy, but Lucas yeah. never did, or Luca never did, and that was cool. I mean, the the other thing about this, when Luca is going through like his story about who was better than him, we felt that it it was probably Marcus, but I yeah. really liked that it was never. I mean, this is a director's choice, right? That it was not ever explicitly told, except later on. That we learned that in the Richie episode, which I really do think that these two are written in tandem, like with both mm-hmm. having like very similar parallels, because we learned in the Richie episode with a hanging picture, Luca yeah. and um, Luca Marcus are there. So obviously the mm-hmm. person Luca was talking about was uh, was Carmen. Sorry, it was Carmen. And I just like those like tiny like lore connections. Yeah. Uh, because obviously Richie saw the pictures like, oh look, it's Carmen with like another guy, and and obviously Richie doesn't know that. But we know that who that other guy is. It's Luca. It's 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 homeboy Luca. Yeah. Those uh, small touches are freaking phenomenal. And I really like them in in universe lore, right? Power yeah. sk- power skating our chefs. One of the things I really liked, by the way, and like this is something that I really want to emphasize that I think a lot of shows don't do super well, but I think the bear and several other like a lot of anime do this fairly well but i think the bear especially for like live action television it's really hard to do this so i think it's impressive that they did it is they flushed out each and every character's backstory to the point that you cared for each person like whether you liked it or not you cared for them you cared for the mean sous chef you cared for marcus you cared for all these people and that in of itself was such a special thing yeah um, uh you also didn't like some of these people and eventually you you, you didn't but like once you learned about them, and once you got to know them, I think it made it that much more like, oh my god, yeah. like, I want to, like, that is a special thing. And then once you saw that they, they're trying to better themselves, especially with Richie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really um, special. Yeah, because there's another person who's also a cuckoo, the, um, Tina, which, we didn't like Tina at first, obviously, because she was we messy. Did, yeah, because she was, like, she was, like, mean, she was, like, overbearing. She felt, like, losing her place, right? One of the things that I actually really much emphasized and uh, thought about was, uh, again, like, the restaurant industry is a very male-dominated profession. You have to be a strong woman to do this job. There's no question about it. You have to be a strong woman to do this job. And she was. And I think that was a beautiful thing to see. Like, regardless of how 
it might have gone. I think it was it was really really good. Um, yeah, I, I think um for sure because Tina was you know was that was it one of the older cooks at the beef right um she gets Carmi to come in she gets Sidney to come in new blood right and she's like sitting there thinking are they gonna change things they're gonna make me feel I mean there was a level of insecurity going out along with him right because they wanted things to change and there was like a lot of tension but you saw that tension ease out once she Tina realized or through a through a combination of efforts from both ends right that they were just trying to get this to work and you know there was a ways that things can be done better for example something that they that carmen and sydney the more like professional cooks carmen being one of the greatest on the entire planet did is that they gave tina confidence especially when she was doing well right they like positive reinforcements stuff like that and it really grew into tina 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 in contrast to like marcus in contrast to um richie didn't like go to like somewhere else for a mentor kind of situation uh tina already had a mentor through sydney uh, she just needed to accept that, you know, Sydney is the person that I can learn from. And then through the actual, like, monetary support where they sent her to culinary school. And she was super excited about that. And finally, through the um, symbolic, like, uh, trophy support from um, Carmen, where he gives his knife, his really, really good knife that he used when he was, like, in the greatest, like, restaurant on the entire planet. And, you know, Tina thought, oh, it's, it's amazing that Carmen's letting me use this knife, um, you know, during culinary school and whatnot, but she, she, Tina thought she was going to have to return it, right? Obviously, it's like a really special knife. And then he goes up to Carmen. And what's cool about the, the way that they were directing this episode is, you know, Tina does this. Carmen, you know, he's doing other stuff, but he still takes his time to stop, looks at her, and gives her a really strong, this is yours, this is your moment situation, right? He says, I never, I don't remember asking for it back. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's beautiful, right? It's just the writing, the directing, right? He was doing other stuff. He stops, pays attention to her, he listens, he and then he gives her reinforcement. Same thing with Sydney, right? Um, Tina respects Sydney to the point that she, you know, provides support for Sydney when it's necessary. Sydney provides support for Tina, saying that because by the end of the season two, um, the roles have like kind of leveled up now. Um, Sydney is doing now what Carmen was doing in the beginning, and Tina is now doing what Sydney was doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really cute. Uh, so I think that touches up on pretty much like the chefs and the ones that like kind of needed help from the um, culinary universe. Yeah. Uh, but is there any other characters that you? I mean, there's a lot of really fun characters, right? But the but the main core, I would imagine, is Richie, Carmen, Carmen's like direct family members, right? His sister, his brother, who's no longer here, and then Sydney. Uh, Sydney be- being like the secondary chef partner, right? It feels. Yeah. Her story, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen to her. She's um, she's scared. I don't either, but it'll be interesting to find out. And I think again, like just the way that everything was portrayed and the way that like we were shown how these characters kind of grew and developed, not only from their time at Beef and their time with the Bear, but then also like their personal lives and how that like interplays as to why they are doing what they're doing. I think it's just like such a beautiful thing to see. Um, yep. I still really like season one. Uh, the grief theme is just... I, I don't see that enough, right? That's that's the thing. I think season one is really good. I love season two, personally. Like, a little more, I think. I think season two has higher peaks. Yeah. Um, just because I think my favorite episodes were in season two. Exactly. It was so good. It was so good. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't emphasize the show. I can't recommend the show enough. Like, I think 
if you want something that's very real, it's a little, it can be a little much and very, very, very intense. But I think it's worth watching just to see what it's like to work in a restaurant. Yeah, I think um, so few, there's still several things I kind of still want to talk about. But one thing that I kept popping up, right, especially season one and then later on in season two, and that flashback especially is in season one, a lot of people say you are right. That's true, yeah. And I was wondering, is that a Chicago thing? Is that a is no, that or I, is that an in-universe them thing? I think I think it's a thematic thing, no, because remember, because like they say you are right because they don't know any better. In season two, it's like they're training Shonen arc, right? Now they're like all leveled <laughs> up, now they like know what they're talking about. So now it's more less of like you are right and more, hey, I'm gonna take charge and own what I know. And what I have, and I'm going to be my own person. Yep, yeah, but I do want to mention that. Are you okay? Was used by the um, the sister Carmen when they were talking to Donna, the matriarch of the family, in the flashback. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to. Uh, that that's the moment where I picked it up. I was wondering, is this Chicago thing? Is this like saying in Chicago? And I I don't I can't tell you if I use it or not. I can't tell you if it's over there. If it, but it sounds generous, so I was like really confused. But then with that episode, I feel like okay, you're definitely right, Nikhil. That it, there's something to do with the theme here because Donna flipped at that. Yeah. And, and it was like, you okay? It's like stop asking me that. Yeah, exactly. It's a. Um, there's definitely something there, and it's, it's, so yeah, it's definitely connected to the bear and how people process emotions. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to be all, all right? Yeah, and again, like it kind of goes back to my discussion that I talked about briefly uh as we started the episode but the idea of like depression anxiety and how the show decides to portray it like what might seem okay and like the way they did that also and i want to connect that to um the main character's brother but like the way did with the way they emphasized that was like what might seem good or okay at face value might not actually be okay or good at face value and people go through so much you don't know everyone's story and i think it's a it was just so well done to show that and yeah. kind of emphasize that. So, like, I don't know. I know you're not really looking forward to season three as much, but, like, I definitely am. I think the show is really good, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how it continues. I think whatever they choose to do with the next season will be the last because I don't think they can continue the story anymore. But I think overall, as far as the show goes, I mean, expertly done. Like, the first two seasons were just fantastic. Yeah, I think... um yeah, first season. I, there's so many cute things, um, choices too, and that's that's what it gives a lot of uh, series in general um, rewatchability or just you know discussion. Uh, for example, the loudest episode, which was the fish episode, the flashback Christmas episode with the whole family and matriarch, Richie, who was usually who is currently right the way we know Richie, the loudest person in the room and the most obnoxious, was the quietest in that entire episode. Yeah, and that just does a lot on how cha- chaotic the family is, and uh, especially because like Mikey, the, the the older brother who you know gave who passed away, was there. You you're able to see like who Mikey was and like the dynamic that happened or existed when Mikey, uh, Richie, Carmen, and they were together. Mm-hmm. It, it was a uh, it's it that's cute. That was small, but I also like the idea of. I mean, I I love the grief. Um, motif that was happening in season one, like the whole trying to find meaning in like a meaningless word kind of massive wish fulfillment by um, 
what's his name by Carmen, right? By trying to like make the beef shop work mm-hmm. so that he can fix something when he feels like he could never fix anything. Massive wish yeah. fulfillment by him. And then he couldn't do it, right? In the end, he needed Mikey and Mikey's weird letter, uh, which is nice that he was even able to get closer because, like, that letter was a huge um, Chekhov's gum throughout the entire series. I love how small it was to the the, um, the messaging that Mikey left for for Carmen. That relationship is really strange. I still don't know what Mikey thought of Carmen. I mean, I might be able to read it, but I just I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to know either. I think the whole point is like. Carmen kind of making his own way um, and his own route and path for himself because this entire time, and this is this was highlighted in a very intense conversation, but Carmen himself has said, like, my entire life I've lived in my brother's shadow as long as he was alive. And I could never be as good as him. I could never do anything like him. I was all this weird, quiet kid who never talked, who never, like, got any girls, who ne- could never do anything. And I think it was, like, that point was when I realized, like, He's been living in his brother's shadow the entire his entire life, and now so, after his brother's death, now he's given the chance to step out of it and like do his own thing. So I don't think we're ever supposed to know their relationship because it doesn't matter. This is Carmen's story. This is not about Carmen and Mikey. This is not Mikey's story either. This is Carmen's story, and this is him battling and dealing with grief, anxiety, depression, happiness, sadness, like everything. And I think it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I agree with it. I did make it sound like I was trying to find out which one I kind of am, but at the second time, what I forgot to mention is that I really like that the directors are making it explicit that we just don't know what Mikey was thinking. Yeah. We have no idea what he, what caused him to just, you know, die the way he did. Yeah, and I think... Or like, any of that. Yeah, and I think, like, I mean, it was, it was definitely, he killed himself as far as we know. But, like, one of the things that we do know is that, like, he had depression and, like, Again, like he was an um, addict, he couldn't. He was an addict. Like all these things added up, right? Where it was like, and I think the director and the writers were trying to emphasize this, like depression, anxiety come in a lot of different forms, and you the don't failure. know someone's pain. Yeah, like you don't know someone's pain until it's too late. And uh, unfortunately, like in this show, they highlighted that very, like, very extremely. Um, it's also very real. And something that, I don't know, something that really stood out to me was just that idea of, like, what is, like, this kind of depression and anxiety and, like, how do people cope with that? But I think it was just such a beautiful, like, beautiful show. The way they did it was so good. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Mikey, Mikey's weird. Mikey, Mikey's, there's a lot of... He He was an interesting cookie. I mean, there's so much with this show that I can keep going on and on about. Uncle but... Uncle Jimmy or Uncle Cicero, which is a stop in the blue line. That that's yeah. cool. Very um, very Roman. There was an ode to Pequods. I don't even cool. know what that is. It was a deep dish pizza place. It was. Oh food. shoot! Right. Okay. Okay. So See, good. I don't know what that is. I'm not a foodie though, so. I went to Pequods actually when I was yeah. in Chicago a few weeks ago. It was delicious. But um, beyond that, I think. The show does a really, really good job of kind of portraying all these theme, like overarching themes and elements through the characters, the representation of various emotions. And I think it's a really special thing. And I don't think you see that a lot in a lot of different shows. Yeah. They learn and to listen. They learn to be kind to themselves. 
Yeah, and like it, it was, it was really, it was really beautiful. And so, um, I personally like you could go episode by episode and dissect each episode and like try to figure out all these small details that they incorporated into in each one. But I don't think we're gonna have time to do that. But I will leave it off with I think the show is fantastic, and it is dark, it is gritty, but it's so good and. It can, it can be stressful for people who have a dysfunctional family too, and it's... that's true. It can, and that is that is a that is a pretty important um, point of note that if um, someone may or may not have past experiences or past trauma with um, anything related to like suicide or like familial angst or um, just like anxiety and depression, um, this could this is let this serve as a warning that like this show does have all of that and it could be a trigger um, for for those individuals. And so I want to emphasize that if you have any of those things, like maybe go into that show, go into the show with like a state of mind that like these exist, but, and they are a pretty core theme of the show. And if that is a problem, like obviously I recommend maybe staying away from it, but this show just does such a good job at kind of emphasizing and highlighting these things. And, it helps you relate to these characters in a way that like you might have not before. And as someone who has been through a lot in my life and has been through um, some of the things that the main character himself is going through, like it was really comforting to know that like my story wasn't like unique in a weird way. And like, I wasn't alone. So I would emphasize it. There is a trigger warning, but I would emphasize it for people who want to, you know, see something a little more heavy, but that they can relate to, and all, we'll just like after each episode, just be like, "Wow, that was incredible! Cannot believe they did that." Yeah, yeah. So reminder: I like season one because they focus more on grief. However, season two, Nikhil's favorite, and the peaks in season two are the highest in the entire series. The character development is super good in season two, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So season one definitely feels slower. Yeah, but great show overall. Cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, it was fun watching. Now we um, now we find more. Dude, like every time I I, I feel like I'm I'm being no, oh, you know, there's nothing good on TV. <laughs> there's always something good on TV. I'm just, there's always there. There's always something. There's always gonna be something good. And the reason why I'm not too confident in season three is because the reason why there's something good on TV, right? The writers and with the writers strike, most series especially with the one that happened in 2007 there's a lot of series that people that continue to try to write even without like writers involved with them with just the writers and stuff they took a nosedive i'm thinking about like this superhero uh, series that i actually forgot the name but like that one was like doing really hot in the early late two, 2000s and i just dropped after they didn't have any writers and i'm worried that that might actually happen to the bear mm-hmm. um but i mean one i haven't even done any research if like the people involved in writing this series are even part of the guild but that that's the reason why I'm I'm not, I'm kind of worried about season three. And even if we do get a season three, like it might be a long time from now. Like a lot of the TV now that the lag is actually catching up to us from the strike. Um, but we'll see. Who knows? Uh, season four, three. I mean, might come out sooner, later. When it comes out, I'm sure Nikhil will mention something and I'll watch it. Um. But yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Ryan Trick is pretty interesting, but. Maybe we can talk about that in another episode. In terms of uh, going back to a little more of like a happy content, I guess, or more anime-focused content, 
in terms of anime that we are watching or we've watched recently, uh, recently watched Nana. I have a lot to say about that. Maybe we'll do an episode on it if Francisco wants to watch it. Um, I'm watching some seasonal stuff. Just the same old, same old that I feel like everyone's watching right now. Zom 100, Bleach, and JJK. Which So, nothing crazy, honestly. Uh, this season is a little underwhelming for me. I don't really have that much that I'm that into. So, I'm just watching those. Uh, but yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see what else is in store for like in terms of like anime and stuff. I I'm not really, I haven't really gotten around to watching anything new personally, um, in terms of anime. So, I haven't found something that's like been like, wow, like this is really good. Um, so if anyone has any recommendations, I'd love to hear it. I unfortunately um, will not be able to see people's comments anymore. I deleted Twitter some time ago. But next. Uh, even if you tweet at us and maybe mention my name, um, you could uh, Francisco might be able to check it out and let me know. So feel free to keep tweeting at us, uh, even if I don't have Twitter. I know Francisco does. And so I think that'll be useful. Um, but if not, yeah, I mean, you, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. We're everywhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of anime that I'm watching is just fun. Undead Murder Face is my favorite this season. And then help. Mm-hmm. And they're both just... Under Murder Face has a lot of, like, quirky... Uh, kind of a detective situation, but it's I'm a sucker for the actual urban supernatural fantasy. Things like Frankenstein, vampires living, um, like, among us while, like, still being a layer of just normancy, just we don't see. But in this universe, it's like they're in the 19th century, so it's like a bit back then. But the reason why it's cool is because you can have people like Sherlock Holmes, and they do reference Sherlock Holmes, and because all of Sherlock Holmes is now in the public domain, that's totally okay. That means this series is probably going to have a crossover with Sherlock Holmes. And I yeah. I don't know. I, I love Sherlock Holmes, dude. I love, like... The other thing about the series is that it follows, like, the Oni creature from japan and the first detective series or the first detective three episode situation is with a vampire family and i really liked it because usually people or the media like has vampires as being the king of the monsters and it's cool seeing like these other mythical creatures like go into a face of against a vampire especially like a really cocky younger vampire and then just and you're like oh it turns out the universe is a lot bigger than what you thought it was with your privilege uh, so I thought that was very cool. But outside of that, I really like the banter between the detective and then the assistant, the Oni Hunter, because the detective is a floating head. Yeah. Oh, I I really like it. And I like Hell because like, apparently the manga was really good. Mm-hmm. And that's about... And then I ended up watching Strange Fake Night. Strange... Fate Strange Fake. Oh, I'm not going to watch any more Fate shows, but yeah. This is my favorite. It's written by the person who did do Rarara and Bakano and also... The bleach like novels apparently. Mm-hmm. So he interesting. Yeah, I guess they reached out to whoever owns Faith Type Moon, me probably, and mm-hmm. then they're like, "Yo, can I write stuff on your universe and use your IP?" And guess guess they hired him as an as a writer nice. under their on um, payroll. Very cool. I like that one because I guess uh, the U.S. government uh, saw what was happening in Fuyuki City with the whole Holy Grail War, and you know how they summoned servants and shit. Mm-hmm. and how servants are effectively walking nukes. 
And so the U.S. government did what the U.S. government does best. And they're like, you're all dumb. Why are you trying to use it to get a wish-granting grail when you can just keep these servants here forever and use them as walking nukes? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I, like, I like stories that just has, um, that just paints America as a warmonger. <laughs> Interesting. Because it's, like, accurate. Yeah. yeah. Especially with that Oppenheimer movie that I actually saw with Barbie. Yeah, I, I saw it recently too. It was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I actually forget Christopher Nolan's name, or I've been forgetting their name for like a month now, and I always forgot to look it up. Mm-hmm. I used to know them by memory, but not anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff, but uh, we'll figure something out for anime. There's, it's, I like it because it's late. Villain Saga season two, so good. Okay, yeah, we're do we're doing Villain Saga season two. That one was good, especially. What's cool about Media in general is how things get elevated by meme culture. Oppenheimer, Barbie Bean, a primary example, right? And then yeah. for Vinland Saga, it was the I have no enemies um, trend. That that, was that line was so sick, though. I loved it. I have no enemies. I started screaming in my... So I watched it in my apartment and where I live. And uh, I, was, I was home alone at the time. And I watched that episode. And I started screaming. I thought it was such a cool line. Like it is. There was just so much that went into that line. If you've watched the first season and then the second season, and like, I don't know. Mm. I just thought it was so cool. I have no enemies. You're just like, that's insane. It's, that's yeah, insane. it's insane. It's 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 crazy how the author was able to find just one phrase and says, "That's my story." Yep, pretty much. Yeah, that's the entire. That's literally the entire story of Vinland Saga. Even in the future, I have no enemies. That's so crazy. Yeah, and it's universal, bro. It really it's... is. Like I sat and thought about that too, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, like I have. Wait, no wait, enemies. We, like, we, we just what? talk about it in the episode. Oh, and the, well, in the context of the episode, it's different. We'll we'll cover that when we cover that. But yeah, I meant like that line specifically. I think just had like a double entendre where it was like. It was not only like I have no physical enemies, but I have no like demons that I'm battling anymore. Like I don't. That's it. Like I'm done. And oh that's god. so cool. Oh my god! That's I so think cool. I. I'm gonna be honest, bro. I've been. I hear it, and I didn't think about it. Like, <laughs> you're right. God dang. Yeah, it's so cool. Cause like, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. And again, we'll we'll definitely do an episode on this season. I loved Finland Saga season two. Um, but I think. Because I think what he was talking about wasn't like his actual like enemies. I think what he was talking about was the inner demons, and like who like the demons that he was battling himself, his enemies, right? And those I think are his true enemies. Like the the battle that every day he has to wake up and fight his own demons for from everything that he went through, everything that he did, are, bro. Yeah, every like every time, every night, like he would have to battle those same like those feelings of like guilt, anger pain and those i think are his true enemies so when he said i have no enemies it's like acknowledging that and letting it go isn't that beautiful like oh my god i love season two of Inland saga and i cannot wait to talk about it yeah yeah i um after season one i instantly went to read the the source material and i would zoom through it but yeah that was like phenomenal i think i read it when i was like visiting family in texas but it was just amazing my i had a younger brother Oh, he was—he was still a kid. I still remember that. Um, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, "Wow, imagine reading that when I was his age." I mean, it still affects me now, but like, 
beautiful. I, the other thing that I remember from the memes that was happening was that they were showing like the big three that have very similar teams together. Uh, Vagabond, uh, Berserk, and then they put Villain Saga. So that's cool to think about because there's always, for some reason, the West is like obsessed with getting series to be in threes and maybe just people in general like threes, right? Um, it's part of like a lot of literary devices or literary just settings because you have like, I mean, when it comes to manga, you have like the big three, Bleach, One Piece, Naruto. Then you have the um, Dark Trio, which is JJK, uh, Hell's Paradise, Chainsaw Man. And now you have like whatever the hell this is, which is uh, the Sunning Trio, maybe. But I don't know. I wonder what the next three is going to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that might be the episode. We got everything we needed. Yep. That's all I got. All right. Take care, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye.